We've been talking, it sort of, again, just sort of uh, segues into the message that we've, we've been looking at. And, uh, uh, and last week we, 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 we were um, again in this series on walking with God. And we saw how Enoch walked with God and was taken by God. He had a rapture. And, uh, and we just looked at that just to sort of understand a little bit what had happened. And we're not told exactly how that worked. Uh, but where it fits into our theology is that Enoch walked with God as a believer. Okay? He walked with God as a believer, and so should we. We should walk with him. The takeaway from that passage was that Enoch had lived with the testimony that he pleased God. He had that testimony. That was what people said about Enoch, is that he pleased God. You know, And you, you, you wonder what people are going to be saying about Nicola now is that she had the testimony that she pleases God and, uh, and that God's pleased with her and that she feels his love. Now, what a hope that actually has just been uh, uh, broadcast around the world uh, through, that, through that one moment of boldness to share her faith. And uh, so, so amazing. You know, the peculiarity of the rapture event for Enoch takes shape when you really understand that not only was this before Moses and the law, but even also before Abraham. Now, we know Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness and imputed to him as righteousness. Righteousness by faith is not a new concept introduced in the New Testament, but an Old Testament truth that goes back to the Garden of Eden. Those that would, would believe on the promised seed of the woman you'll find faith working through the Old Testament as well. And, uh, and of course, uh, the righteousness of faith is found well and truly there as well. Hebrews um, 11.5, we might just uh, pick it up there. It says, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he did not see death. He could not be found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. What a wonderful testimony to carry and uh, for people to think of you as they see you as they recognize you around town or in your family or you know within your social circle as a person that pleases God great thing and um, and of course it's it's uh, well and truly uh, important to see uh, how it fits into our theology on salvation is that we know salvation is by faith and not by works our salvation is not on the basis of how good we've been. It's clear that Enoch was a believer because the verse says that he walked with God. But look what, uh, uh, and, and in, in, think, in keeping with that theme, 11, Hebrews 11, 16 goes on to explain, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. A rewarder. God's a rewarder. And, you know, that's what we've got to look forward to when we come into a heavenly uh, home too, is rewards. And um, we can, we can uh, uh, walk with that realisation and that faith, believing that rewards are ahead of us. What we must recognise is Enoch's salvation was on the basis of his faith in God because it couldn't have been on his law-keeping, could it? Moses wasn't even born yet. So it wasn't on his law-keeping. And, um, and, and, you know, because the law at this point hadn't even been given 
at this point of history in the Bible. Our takeaway should be this. Even though we are saved by grace through faith, it's important to have a testimony that pleases God. It's important to have that. Like Nicola, she has a testimony, you know, that pleases God. No Christian should be so casual about sin that they just dismiss it as an activity with a, oh, well, I'm forgiven anyway. No Christian should live that way and be first, first one to say that. Our battles with our old nature, our struggles with the weaknesses of the flesh should never be with just a resignation, you know, and resign ourselves to, oh, well, I'm flawed, I'm imperfect. And we should, we should very much seek to overcome those weaknesses and have a testimony like Enoch that he pleased God, that we please God as we seek to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. It's just, just to consider this a little bit further. I just want to continue with that theme a bit because it's so important to have a testimony, isn't it? You know, so important, you know, and it, it actually speaks. I heard something that Bill Johnson said. He said that testimony is the spirit of prophecy because what it does, it, it, it speaks of what God can do again. You know, you think of Nicola, God can do that again right around the world. You know, what he's done in your life, that the reason it should be the testimony, the thing that you speak of, because he can do that again in other people's lives. That's why we should have our testimony ready every time we go out, but ready to speak of our faith, ready to speak of what we, what we believe of the Lord. And, uh, and of course, the blessing um, that comes from that is seen in other people's lives as they receive that as well. But a few weeks ago, we considered Joseph, who was sold into slavery, if you remember, uh, uh, in Egypt by his brothers. And um, if you remember, Joseph was purchased by Potiphar and soon found uh, favour with Potiphar because Potiphar uh, could see that God was with him, you know. And uh, it should stand out when we walk with the Lord, shouldn't it? That's what this series is about, walking with the Lord. And um, let's put it this way. God's grace and favour is recognisable. It's recognisable. Sometimes people see it on you without even knowing what it is. It's very attractive, actually. Genesis um, chapter 20, uh, 39 and verse 3, it says, When his master saw that the Lord was with him and made him prosper in all that he did, Joseph found favour in his sight and became his PA, personal attendant. We're going to have a personal attendant with God's favour on them. And that was, that was Potiphar's uh, decision. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted him with everything he owned. From the time that he put Joseph in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's household on account of him. The Lord's blessing was on everything he owned, both in his house and in his field. So his crops were better because of, because of the presence of this guy that pleased God and had favour in God's sight. So Potiphar left all that he owned in Joseph's care. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. In other words, the only thing he did for himself that wasn't blessed by Joseph was going to the fridge and getting his food out, you know. Everything else was under Joseph's care. This is such a great example of someone who walks with God, placing his value, his, his testimony is about his relationship with God, just like our, our silver medalist that we just saw. Genesis 39, in verse 7 to 9, it says this, And after some time his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Sleep with me. And, uh, and then it says there, uh, 
But he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has entrusted everything he owns to my care. No one in this house is greater than I, I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. So how could I do such a great evil and sin against God? Notice that uh, as much as he didn't want to sin against Potiphar, his main aim was not to sin against God. You know, his testimony was highest value. His testimony of pleasing God and doing those things that are right in his sight. And we know the story. Mrs. Potiphar persisted with her advances on Joseph and tried to corner him every time he came anywhere near her. And, um, you know, and, and his continual refusal was taken by her as rejection and she framed him for an assault he never committed. And uh, he ends up in prison. So he goes from the pit, you know, into the prison. And uh, notice how his apparent commitment to Potiphar and all that was Potiphar's, including Mrs. Potiphar, is actually a commitment to his relationship to God and walk with the Lord. Joseph's not going to do anything that even looks like evil. In other words, you know, he's, you start to walk out your testimony in such a way that you're concerned for the way that people see you. When you drive through stop signs, do you ever concern yourself with your testimony? All of you, come on, everyone who drives through stop signs. Oh, there's one hand, praise the Lord. <laughs> Have a healing line a little bit later on for people that, you know, need to tell the truth. <laughs> But, you know, um, are we concerned with what people think of us and know about us? And um, I've got a joke about that, but it'll take too long. We haven't got the time about going through stop signs. But, you know, the church, um, those called out of darkness into the light, are the Josephs of our day. Through the new birth, we're set apart for God's use, and we need to see that and understand it. For God's favour to be upon us, just as it was in, upon Joseph in his generation. You know, that there'd be blessing um, around us because we're there, because we're involved, you know, that we're in that business, we're in that situation. And of course, our Christian witness becomes essential, our testimony in the sight of others that says we walk the Lord and that we're not going to allow sin or even the appearance of evil to hinder our ongoing relationship with God. And as you know, I, I don't often speak on end time events, but you know, but the subject of Enoch not seeing death just stirs up that peaceful reflection, doesn't it? You know, on what it is yet ahead of the church, the rapture and, um, you know, the rapture for those who are alive in Christ. You know, for the church at Thessalonica, it's apparent that Paul has helped their understanding previously. They already know some things. He's already, he's already taught them out of this particular truth. But in 1 Thessalonians, we just go there, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 4, it says, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. In other words, they already know. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. But when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. We're talking about the second coming of Jesus when he comes down and puts down all rebellion. But when they say peace and safety, and that's what they'll be saying at that time, peace and safety. Um, you know, I don't really want to go into it, but that's going to be the, 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 
catch cry of those in government at that time. Peace and safety. And, uh, and of course, people be rallying to that call. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Those who walk with God, the believers in this current church age, are not going to experience these events. Why? Because it's because we're already, um, you know, already will be raptured um, via. Uh, you right there, guys? Just getting a little download. <laughs> you know, we are to be, you know, of the light and not of the darkness. Awake and not asleep. And uh, we're to be sober and not drunk. And uh, we're to maintain the testimony of those that live their lives in such a way that God is pleased. That's our calling. That's where we're called to. And First Thessalonians, and I'll go on, it says, First Thessalonians 5, verse 5 to 10, it says, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, get this last bit, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. You know, I like, I like these verses because when it comes to the subject of end times, when it's taught correctly, it's knowledge and truth that should comfort one another with and edify and build one another up with it when it's taught right, when it's not taught with a fearful edge um, designed to bring some type of fearful reaction. And, uh, you know, very important that we get that right. You know, if we've listened to end time teaching that did not leave you edified and built up, uh, didn't, you know, left you feeling, you know, uh, fearful, uh, that's because it was most likely a fear-based teaching and not a faith-based teaching. Amen? And um, the the rapture event is God removing the church from the wrath to come, and we should be comforted by that thought, where he just removes the church. And uh, the reason that they can't, you know, these things, these events can't happen is because the church is still here. The church is still in place. The church is, you know, we are in the uh, uh, age of grace. And, of course, that shifts and changes as the church is raptured up. And notice here how Paul um, delves into his sermon notes on the armour of God, speaking of how we should walk with God, speaking of how we should be clothed for the sake of those that uh, we get around. Notice it is a breastplate of love and faith. You know, that piece of armour. The biggest part of your armour is, of course, the breastplate. And, um, and, of course, you know, the very place where our enemy will aim his arrows to try and shift us and move us. You know, uh, the enemy would love to throw a spanner into our faith works and uh, trying to get us out of love to hate trying to get us from faith to unbelief, trying to trip us up in our walk with God. You know, and as we live in these days, our helmet of salvation is also very important to cover our heads, you know, at that, that soul area, our will, our intellect, our emotions, that very place that we are called to cast down imaginations from. And, uh, you know, that place where the decision to love is hindered by thoughts of revenge. 
you know, where all the doubtful thoughts and unbelief try and attack it. And uh, the thoughts that you may not be good enough, not have enough, not be what you should be, all of those, you know, not perfect enough for God, those thoughts, they're, they're thoughts to cast down. And, um, you know, what I loved about Nicola's testimony was she talked about the insecurities that she grew up with. And she talked about how she came into a faith community that loved her as she was. Tell you, church, that's the key. That's the key for a church even like ours. As we go out, as we come across other people, you know, that, that we sense God is leading us to talk to, is to let them know that they're loved of God, you know. We do it with no other motive but to let them know that God loves them right, at, right where they are and that he wants to have a relationship with them. That's so essential for us all, church, that we be about that business. We be about our Father's business. You know, and, and uh, mentioning there about, you know, those weapons of our warfare um, and, and, of course, casting down imagination. Second Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to pulling down strongholds. You know, someone who's been stuck, uh, uh, stuck in their past, that's a stronghold the enemy would try and keep you in, keep you, you know, stuck in those insecurities and those thoughts of yourself. And uh, we all had them before we came to Christ and he shifted them out of our lives and, 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 and brought us to a new place and a new place of security in his love. This is casting down our arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Great verse, and uh, great verses there about, you know, you have authority over what you think on. You have that ability to cast down those imaginations and those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God's will and, uh, and his thoughts about you. You know, we have a great resource that's available. Um, there's a few there, um, but certainly one that uh, Pastor Margaret uh, has written. It's called uh, Train the Brain. And uh, we would uh, encourage you to get a hold of that book. I'm not sure if we've got any in stock just at the moment, but encourage you to get a hold of that book. That's just a great book to just, you know, wash yourself with that word and that teaching about training your brain, you know, getting to that place where, where you recognise the thoughts that need to be cast down and, of course, the things that we should be thinking on. But, you know, if we're going to walk with the Lord, we're going to walk with God in this church age, in this age of grace, we have to walk in the Spirit. We have to walk with God. And, uh, and that looks like love. You know, walking with God looks like love. Not being legalistic, keeping the law as a way of salvation. That's not what we're called to. Galatians uh, chapter 5 make, makes that fairly clear. And I see, uh, Jess, you jumped into some of my verses uh, that I was going to bring today. Thank you very much. But it says there, Galatians 5.1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you if, you, if you become circumcised, talking about the law and law keeping, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And, again, and I testify again to everyone who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. And the problem with that is that no one could. No one could keep the whole law. And there's only one that was judged righteous and without uh, sin or flaw was Jesus. And he had to be because he was the one that had to go to the cross and pay for the penalty of our sin. 
you who have become estranged, he says this, uh, you're indebted to keep the whole law. Verse 4, you have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But look at this last bit. But faith working through love. Faith working through love. That breastplate of faith and love, our, our believing and our love towards others, uh, the two go hand in hand. And we must never miss that. In Galatians, um, Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. So in other words, yes, we have been set free from sin, but that, that's not a reason to continue in sin. We need to you know, get free of that. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. As a, a real um, a warning there. You know, the key to walking with God in a way that pleases him is realising that your flesh, that, that old you, is never going to be good enough. So you cannot prop it up, you know, with good works. You cannot fit it out with an outward look of holiness. We've been set free from legalism that strives and struggles to somehow be good enough, you know, uh, uh, for God, attempting to keep the law and all the commandments. In fact, the Bible says, the Bible, the, the Bible says Christ is the end of righteousness uh, for those that believe. The end of the law, sorry, I'll just correct myself there. The Bible says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for those that believe. Amen? End of the law for righteousness. In other words, that you, the, the righteousness that we, are, that we are standing on is not based on our law keeping. All right? That's, for some people, that just needs to really sink in because it actually sets you free from a lot of thinking and maybe even some, some uh, 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 unconscious approaches that you take when you're walking with the Lord. And I'll just bring that scripture up, Romans chapter 10. It says this, verse 1 to 4. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Verse 3. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, to everyone who believes. Mm. So let's just go back to Galatians for the key to walking with God. It's here in verse um, 16 as we continue. We're going to keep uh, going on walking with, uh, with the Lord. We're going to have to overcome weaknesses in the flesh because none of this is designed to stop you realising that there's an old man and a new man and God wants you to walk in the new man and the, all the blessing comes as you start to walk as a new man in Christ, a new person in Christ. I say then, this is uh, verse uh, 16 to 18 of Galatians 5, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfil the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you, uh, you do not do the things that you wish. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Amen. You know, I really wanted to just um, clarify this is because some Christians do get caught up in that struggle against the areas of their weakness. You know, they say that the strongest person in the room is the person who understands where their weakness is. Because then they can work out in that area. We've been talking about athletes already. But I assure you, when, when people who are striving for Olympic gold go to the gym and they go to those areas, they're looking to strengthen that area where they are at their weakest. They're looking to strengthen the area so they can get better and better and better in those areas where they know that they're weak. We should be the same as Christians. Just because we know that we're not going to be judged according to the law, but by our faith in Christ Jesus. You know, there's still a judgment that's going to come, you know, for the believer. We'll be judged at what's called the judgment seat of Christ. We'll stand before him and give account for everything done in the body. That's as a believer, you know. You say, what does that look like? Well, I can't give you the absolute detail, but I, I believe it's to do with the things that we should have done that we never did. Things that we were uh, perhaps mandated to do and that we refused. Those things. There'll be judgment for that. You know, Maybe less reward, I don't know. But um, I, 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 I absolutely believe that if you end up at the judgment seat of Christ, you have no place at the great white throne judgment. That's for the unbeliever, the great white throne judgment. Okay. And, you know, um, the scary part is, and I really want to go into it now, but the scary part is, is, is that it's possible that a believer would end up at the great white throne of judgment if they stop believing. If they at some point deny the Lord Jesus Christ. And I like to say it this way, is, is that the way we go out is the way we came in. We came in believing something in our heart and confessing it with our mouth. The way you go out is you believe something in your heart and you confess it with your mouth. And, um, you know, that's that very, very uh, solemn moment where people realise that our faith needs to continue, that we can't uh, let our faith, uh, you know, just become something weak. And it's not something that I've, I've seen that it's not something that people do quickly or, or rashly or can happen in a, in a moment. It's a process. And that's why we need to be those... Be like those good athletes who actually do come to that place where they recognise the weaknesses in their life and keep working out in them, keep working out in them until they get the victory over that weakness. <clears throat> I found that the Christians who have started to walk with God successfully are the ones who understand that there is a much better way to overcome the areas where we seem to be, you know, failed in our, in our walk with the Lord. And it comes by choosing to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh you know uh, uh, you know and it's a daily decision for some and and you know being being uh, self-reflective and being honest with yourself about maybe some of those areas you know I, I don't know what you know anyone's particular area of, of sin is but I do know this it's usually the sin that you love the most is the area where you're weak the most isn't it right the one that you allow when you say oh, it's okay I'm forgiven no, no, that's the area where you need to start working on and making those commitments to overcome in that area, get strong in that area. And not only that, but ask the Lord to help you. And I remember um, as a, a fairly new believer, and I was uh, still uh, a smoker at that time, and I, ha I, you know, I had an elder who finally came to me and he said, you know, I see you're a smoker. And 
I thought, well, how did he know? <laughs> you smell. <laughs> you know? and, and, you know, he dealt with me about that. And uh, he said it's about time that, you know, you perhaps give that up. And um, my testimony goes along the line of uh, that I, I, was, I was very good at giving up. I used to give up all the time. And, um, and, uh, and of course, I'd start again. And, uh, and I, I knew that was my failing, and that was an area where, where uh, I was not um, very strong. And my testimony is, is that when I prayed, and he said that to me, he says, why don't you just pray and ask the Lord to help you with that? You know, and, you know, I was thinking of patches and Nicorette chewies and all the things that you do to sort of wean yourself off. And he said, no, why don't you just pray and let the Lord help you with that? And this is the truth. God wants to help you you know, in those areas. He wants to help you in those areas of weakness and, and overcome. And, you know, and, and the amazing thing was I prayed a really simple prayer, probably one of my first prayers as a, as a Christian believer. This is when I was 21 years old, okay? prayed a very, very simple prayer. And the next day, and, oh, oh, yeah, and I screwed up my cigarettes and threw them out, put them in the bin. And I'd done that many times before and then patched them up with a little, you know, with a little rolly paper and started again the next day. But this time... There was no desire to go back to those cigarettes. The actual addiction and the feeling to smoke, the desire to smoke, completely left me. And it was like I was the next day I was a non-smoker. And uh, I gave the Lord the glory for it and told people about it and encouraged others, you know, who were new to, new to being a Christian, who, you know, this is how you overcome. This is how you get up and over this, is give it to God, you know. We don't hide our weaknesses from God. We run to him with them. And when we do, you watch what he'll do. He'll show up with all his power and ability to change. You know, and this is, you know, the, the, the timing and the season of this is in, um, uh, I had people around me who had drug addictions, a lot worse than nicotine. And they were getting delivered from their drug addictions and, uh, and having a testimony how God had delivered them from it and overcoming uh, in, in amazing ways. And so, uh, you know, I, I believe that the way to do it, you know, to, to, to um, as the scripture says there, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's, it's what we put all our attention to, what we concentrate on. If we'll walk in the spirit, if we wake up with that prayerful reflection to the Lord, you know, asking the Holy Spirit to be a part of our days, we'll continue to walk with the Lord every day. We'll see that those weaknesses drop off, you know, and bring our weaknesses to him and ask him to help us with them. And you watch what he does. Amen. Amen.